And if you would also just be able to mark in your Bible, because we're going to turn there in a few moments, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 and 14. Paul talks about these places that he visited, and we're going to look at those. So just find that quickly before we talk about that. John Bunyan was born in England in 1628. He didn't become a Christian until after he got married, which was somewhere around 1655. And immediately following his conversion, he got involved in a group of um, Christians in England called the Nonconformist. And there was the the sort of the national or state-recognized Church of England, or what you might think of as the Anglican Church. Um, but Bunyan got involved in another group called the Nonconformist. And in 1660, uh, because he was part of this dissenting movement and because he was preaching the gospel and he didn't have permission from the state, he was imprisoned. And at the time of his imprisonment, he had a wife, he had four children, and his wife was pregnant. And so his wife pleaded with the jailer uh, week after week, please let my husband go. She had no way to support herself, her four children, and obviously uh, her pregnancy. And she actually lost the child due to the stress of the imprisonment. But... The jailer said to the wife and to Bunyan himself, uh, he's free to go. I mean, he's free to go and earn a living and take care of his family. Just one condition, he can't preach the gospel. And so Bunyan stayed in that prison cell for 12 years. And so it's worth just stopping and reflecting on what you might think at that particular point. And maybe you can just live it out and people can see it without saying it. Eventually the laws changed and Bunyan was released. And um, during those years in prison, however, he wrote uh, what some people say is the most popular book beside the Bible, a book called Pilgrim's Progress. And Pilgrim's Progress, if you don't know the story, is about a young man named Christian and he's fleeing away from his hometown, which is called the City of Destruction. And he makes this journey, and the whole story is this journey from the City of Destruction to the Celestial City, which is heaven. And very near the, very near the beginning of the book, he encounters a gentleman by the name of Goodwill. And as he stops and talks to Goodwill, there's a certain dialogue that I want to pick up on. Goodwill says this, And now, Christian, come with me a little way, and I will show you the way to go. Look over there. Do you see that narrow way? That is the road you must take. It is the way traveled by the patriarchs and the prophets. It is the way traveled by Christ himself and his apostles. And it is straight as a line can make it. And it is the way you must take. Christian says, but it's so narrow. Are there any turnings or windings by which a stranger may lose his way? Oh, yes, said Goodwill. Yes, there are many roads branching off from this one, but you can always distinguish the right way from the wrong. For the right way is the only road that is straight and narrow. In some sense, when you get to chapter 3, 
Paul is like goodwill. And Paul is coming to the end of his road. They, Timothy and Paul have been traveling together. Paul, the older pastor, he's bringing along his disciple, Timothy. But Paul can see that he's about ready to take the next exit. His life is going to end, and he's trying to encourage this young disciple to stay on this narrow way. And although there's going to be all kinds of branches off of this way, Paul here in this chapter is saying, Timothy, there are going to be all kinds of ways to go. And there's going to be all kinds of distractions and you're going, to be, you're going to be tempted to go in many different ways. But I want you, you stay on this road. And really in this chapter, he's, try, he's trying to help Timothy uh, by providing him some guardrails and some advice on how to stay on this road. You might remember last week we talked about the last days and Paul was exposing the, the, what we called a spiritual terrorist at that time. People were going to be uh, sort of sniping at Timothy as the pastor. And Paul exposes them as people who really are lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. That's in verses 2 and verse 4. And then he gives them a playbook. He says, Timothy, this is how these people are going to operate. They're never going to sort of come in the front door at you. They're going to pick off weak people. They're going to sort of sneak around into their houses and people who are burdened down by their sins, people who can't exercise very good self-control, they're going to sort of sneak in and it's really not going to be the gospel they're giving. They're going to be giving something else. And you've got to be very aware of that as the pastor of this church. And now I want you to be very aware, Timothy. You've got to make sure you stay on this narrow path. Because people are going to be following in after you. And you've got to make sure you're staying on the right way. And you get, you get sort of the, the passion of Paul in verse 10 and verse 14. These two little Greek words that make up, uh, but as for you, or you however. Timothy, there's all kinds of different ways to go. But as for you, he's trying to grab Timothy by the face and say, but as for you, you, you go in this direction. And so this is Paul's counsel to Timothy. He makes him aware of a couple of things as he's going to keep going down this path. He gives him some guardrails which will keep Timothy moving along the same narrow way. And you and I can imagine Timothy speaking or Paul speaking to us this morning. You know, whether you're just about ready to graduate from high school and go to college or whether you're just getting ready to go out and face the week ahead. It really doesn't matter. How do you stay on the right way? One aspect to the Christian journey that Paul wants Timothy to be well aware of, verse 12, Timothy, I just don't want you to be surprised. All who desire to live a godly life with Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You want to be a pastor, you feel like that's where you're being called. You're going to be a Christian, you're going to stay on this narrow way. I just want you to be very sure right at the beginning of the journey. All who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. It's interesting in the Greek, uh, the word all, you know what it means? All, that's what it means. 
He's not saying, well, just some people or those people who stand behind the pulpit or just this certain group. He's saying everyone who wants to go in this direction, if you really want to follow after Christ, at some point you're going to encounter some persecution. So don't be surprised. And Paul really is just lifting language from another speech. He's not making this up. He's just borrowing from Christ himself. Christ is with his disciples, and it's his last time with his disciples, and he's praying for his disciples. He's helping his disciples say, guys, I want you to stay on the narrow way. And Jesus says this in John 15, keep this in mind. If the world hates you, it hated me first. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. See, see, Jesus and Paul understood that just the threat of persecution could easily knock somebody off course. I mean, you didn't have to really experience persecution to get knocked off course. You could just get the threat of it. And Jesus knew that because he had this great example in his group, Peter. Peter, the bold one, the one who said, hey, even if all these people, you know, bow into these threats, I'm going to be the one who can stay on that narrow path. And Jesus is looking at Peter and saying, you just don't know how hard that is to do, Peter. Peter was sure he was going to make it happen until a little servant girl, maybe a 12-year-old girl, came in and said, hey, aren't you one of those guys on the narrow path? What did Peter say? I'm not on the narrow path. I don't know what you're talking about. Just the threat of it. Knock this grown man off the path. Paul understood it because when he went to Athens and he tried to proclaim that Jesus Christ, this person they hadn't heard of, actually came out of the grave, they just laughed him off the stage. And so he went to the next city, Corinth. He said, I came to you with fear and trembling. See, it's hard as the pastor when you get laughed off the stage to come back and get on stage again. Because just the threat of somebody laughing you back off the stage is enough to knock the strongest people off. And so Paul is trying to help Timothy, who himself is timid, to say, you want to stay on this path. And as you're on this path, I want you to remember persecutions are coming your way. Don't let them knock you off. Nobody should be surprised. The second feature Paul is trying to help Timothy be aware of, is just the the contrast between those who are lovers of themselves and those who are lovers of God. And you see it in verses 13 and 14. Uh, Verse 13, evil people, they're going to go on from bad to worse. In other words, they're going to have the appearance that they're making an, an advancement. They're making progress. They're going somewhere. But Paul is saying they're going in the wrong direction. I mean, if you're lost and you say, if I just keep going faster, you're going to just keep going in the wrong direction. And that's what's happening is that these people are coming in and they're saying, oh, but we've made progress. We've made advancement. We know something new. And so we're going to we're going to take a little bit of this course and we're going to go off in this direction. And he says, be aware that these people that come in, they're going to be people who think they have something new. And yet they're really just making progress in the wrong direction. Now, if there is anything that characterizes sort of the spirit of our age, and that is the, the 
spirit of progress or advancement. I mean, it used to be you could say, oh, that's so 70s, right? Or that's so 80s, that's so 90s. Now it's, oh, that's so yesterday. That's so 10 minutes ago. I mean, just, you know, hey, that just, that happened 10 minutes ago. I'm, we're on to something new. We're, we're in, in the progress mode. And you see it in your technology. You get some kind of computer gadget today and tomorrow. You go, wow, mine, mine doesn't have that application. I can't believe it. I can't, I can't do that. And at, there's so much progress and so much of it is so helpful. But what we do is we, we take that spirit of progress and then we lay it over on our theology. And we quickly think, well, there's got to be some progress here. And the Bible's saying, Jesus Christ is what? He is the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know what else is the same? Mankind. Mankind always is going to be sinful and need a Savior. It may manifest itself in many different ways, but Jesus Christ is always the same and mankind is always the same and we don't want to ever lay over our progress onto the, our theology. So Paul is warning Timothy. There's going to be all kinds of pressures, Timothy. Don't, don't go for the clever. Go for something that's consistent and it's moving in the same direction. He says really the same thing back in chapter 1, verse 13. Timothy, follow the pattern of sound teaching. And you might remember back when we did our series in Jeremiah. Jeremiah looked at his congregation, his congregation that had once been on the right path but had moved off. And he looks at his congregation and he says this, a horrible and shocking thing has happened in the land. The prophets... They prophesy lies. The priests, they rule by their own authority. And the people, they love it this way. See, you got somebody who got up front and decided to distort the truth just a little bit, decided to just do it by their own authority and not the authority of the Scriptures. And people said, yeah, that's what we want to hear. And then the Lord responds in Jeremiah chapter 6. This is how the Lord answers. Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in that way. So, so Paul is exhorting Timothy. Paul Phillips is exhorting you. Be careful. We're, we're trying to stay on this one narrow path. We're not trying to do something new. We're trying to do something ancient. We're trying to do something old. We're trying to stay in this one path. But there's going to be all kinds of competitors. There's going to be, it's like walking down, uh, uh, if you're ever at the, at the fair, you walk down the center aisle, but on the side are the people who are trying to get you to come over and play the games. And they've got the microphone, and hey, you, you look like you have a good right arm, and come over here and give me $25, and I'll give you a 15-cent stuffed animal. That's basically what they're trying to say. And there's all kinds of barkers barking at you saying, hey, this is a new way, this is something flashing. They've got all the neon signs, all the things, yeah, and that would look great. And Paul is saying, Timothy, you're going to have 
all that the rest of your life. You want to stay. But as for you, you want to stay on this narrow way. Be careful. Be aware of what's happening around you. And be sure that when somebody's just operating on their own authority, just run away. Even when Paul came to, in Greece, this little town called Berea, he preached, and then the believers, it says in Acts chapter 17, I think, they went back, and you know what they did? It says they searched the Scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. That's the kind of attitude that we have to take. The second thing we see here is Paul gives these two guardrails, these two big guardrails that are going to help Timothy and are going to help us stay on this narrow path. The first one is you have to have a model to follow. Look down to verse 10. Timothy, you have followed my teaching. And then again in verse 15, continue in what you have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. See, Timothy, when you, when you move ahead after I take my exit and I leave the stage altogether and you're going to be walking down this path, you're going to have days that are discouraging. And, and I want you to remember as you walk down this path, you're not the only one who's walked down this path. You, you can look down, Timothy, and you can see, hey, I recognize those footprints. Those are the footprints of my mother. She walked down this path. Those are the footprints of my grandmother. She walked down this path. Hey, th- those, those are the footprints of Paul. He, he walked down this path. And so if you just feel like you don't know how to get there, just begin to follow the footprints of the people who continue to move in the same direction. And then Paul says, Timothy, you remember what it was like on this path, how difficult it was, because you saw it. You were there. And he gives this little biography of Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. So let's just turn back there quickly, Acts chapter 13, and we'll see what happens. Paul and Barnabas are coming, and they're making a little circuit around what's uh, known as Asia Minor, now as today in Turkey. And they're going to these different cities and proclaiming the gospel. And I want to just give you a little picture of what's happening there. Acts chapter 13, verse 44. Paul and Barnabas has come, they've preached, they come, they come on the, to preach on the next Sabbath, verse 44, and almost the whole city is gathered to hear the word of the Lord. What a, what a great sermon. You'd come in one day, and then the next Sunday, the whole city gathers. Still waiting on that one. Verse 45, But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what Paul had, was spoken by Paul and reviling him. Verse 50, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. See, that's what it was like. And so, okay, just didn't seem to work at Antioch. Let's go to Iconium, chapter 14, verse 1. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Down to verse 5. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat Paul and Barnabas and to stone them. 
And they learned of it, and they fled to Lystra. Okay, so it's a tough missionary journey so far. Let's see if third time's the charm. Let's go to Lystra, chapter 14 again. Now, this is Timothy's hometown. This is where Paul and Timothy first encountered each other. Paul, Paul and Barnabas come in, and they do this miracle, and the people in Lystra think that they are gods. And they try to bow down and worship Paul and Barnabas, and they say, no, we're not gods. We're here to tell you about God. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and they persuaded the crowds, and they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, and supposed that he was dead. See, Timothy, you, you saw it. See, Paul Phillips, you, you want to cut a straight line? You want, to, you want to be a person who cuts a straight line through the gospel and helps people see who God is and helps people see who themselves are? You want to do that? This is what's going to happen. People from the inside, people from the outside, they're going to try to take you down. And when they're trying to take you down, you're always going to see, hey, this just looks like an easier way over here. This looks like a better path. This is not so narrow. I want you to be aware of this, Timothy. I, I want you to be aware that when it feels like you're going down and you don't know which way to go, you're not on a path that nobody else has walked. Look down. You'll see Paul's feet. You'll see Stephen's feet. You'll see Timothy's feet. You'll see the feet of Jesus Christ. And you stay on that path. You, you keep moving in that direction. You keep following these models. And so the application is fairly simple here. If people were following your footsteps, where would they end up? You see, the Christian life isn't just about you and you getting to heaven safely. It's about laying down footprints that other people can follow. And so Paul, in really a remarkable statement, says to Timothy, Timothy, you can follow my footsteps and you can get there. Can you say that? To someone else. Hey, if you just get lost and it all just seems foggy, just keep following my footprints. You're going to get there. If you're a parent, if you're a businessman, if you're married, if you're single, if you're a college student, whatever you may be, you're laying down footprints. And if I were needing to just follow your footprints for a while, would I get there? Now, I think sometimes when you get to an application point like this, it's just so easy to pick off like a, a parent. But I want to speak to people who are maybe like 12 or 14, 15. And you might think, I'm not leaving any footprints. I'm just trying to follow some. You're, you're laying down footprints. If you're in seventh or eighth grade, you are already laying down footprints. It might be footprints for a younger brother and sister to say, hey, this is how you 
respect your parents. And you have a younger brother or sister saying, I'm just going to do it just like they did. And you have to ask yourself, what kind of footprints are you laying down? And I know plenty of students who are dying just for one eighth grader or one ninth grader or one tenth grader to say, I'm going to keep on the narrow road. And you would have a host of people following in behind you. And people are looking. Young people are looking. I don't know which way to go. Could you just lay down some footprints? Somebody who's a peer and say, I just can go in that way for a little while. And so we need to stop and ask ourselves, what kind of footprints are we laying down? Because we're laying some down. And if our neighbor or our businessman or our classmate or somebody on a sporting team or whoever it was, if they were following our footprints, would they arrive safely? So we have to have a good models in our lives. We need to be a good model. And finally, we need to have a map. I mean, if you're going to a new place, <laughs> you need some directions. And thankfully today, if you're going to a new place, you probably can just go to your computer Type in de- this destination, and it can spit out, you know, turn right, turn left here, and you'll get there. It's pretty, pretty fancy. I mean, how did we even get around 20 years ago? I don't know. But today, it's just sort of all generated by a computer. You don't know what the com- even the computer's right. You just say, yeah, here's the destination I'd like to be at, and you just assume it's right. And I think sometimes somebody who made MapQuest, I think they just put like a, an evil bug into it. And they just take you way out of the way. You think, this is not the way to go. But they just programmed it, say, every tenth person just gets the evil bug. But you might say, hey, I just, you know, I I got the directions off my computer. Or you've been with people like this. They sort of hear the directions, and then they go, yeah, 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 I know. I know. I I can sort of feel my way there. You think, "Uh uh-oh. And they just want to feel their way there. They, they sort of have a vague sense of how to get there, but they, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I got it in my mind. And then you get with these people, yeah, it doesn't feel right. I don't feel like I'm going the right, oh, yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm going the right direction. And some people just get the direction just sort of how they feel. But if you get lost and you're in a car with a female, what, what do you have to do at this point if you're the male driving? You've got to stop and ask directions. You cannot feel your way around anymore. But, but, <laughs> well, yeah, I can get lots of amens for anything, can I? Well, here's the thing. You roll down your window, and don't you feel somewhat, like, exposed? Like, first of all, you've never met this person. You're not going to ask for, like, a background check before you get the directions. You're just saying, uh, excuse me, you know, I'm lost. I know I'm a, you're a total stranger, and can you help me know how to get here? And I generally don't find that I have good luck on this kind of thing. I get, I get a couple of different responses. One of them is the blank stare. Hey, can you find, help me find 823 Main Street? I get the, And I think I, I should just stop right there. And the person says, I've lived around here all my life, but I don't know where you're talking about. I'm thinking, how is it possible? I mean, how do I run into these people who've lived in the town their whole life, but they can't tell me where Main Street is? I don't know, man. I, don't, I have no idea. Sometimes they just want to ask if they, their own address to see if they go, I don't know, 
I don't know where that is. Or you ever run into the people who give you directions by, like, food courts and stuff. Yeah, you, you go down here and you take a left at the, the, the Burger King. You're going to take a right at the Taco Bell. And they got some good deals going on right now past the McDonald's. And then there's a Scotchman, two-for-one hot dogs right now. Take a left there. They don't give you any directions other than just food places. And you feel like, well, I'm glad I got that direction before you had a heart attack. <laughs> but that's what happens. We, we do that. And if you're a guy, you don't want to stop and ask directions. You would rather do what's the definition of insanity. Just keep doing the same thing over and over again, hoping you come with a different destination, and it never happens. And that's kind of funny when you're trying to find a new place to go or a destination, but how many times do we do that with our life destination? I'm just not happy. And so I just go on my computer or I go to Barnes & Noble and I just get in the happiness book aisle. And I just start pulling out and saying, I just need some, so, I don't know who this is. I'm just looking for anything that can get me to that destination. Or you ask total strangers. Or you just go on feel. Just feels like this would be a good thing. And Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, we're not going on any of those things. We're, our little narrow path, it's been laid down for us. It's been breathed out by God himself. Timothy, I don't want you to think you're just following Paul's directives. You're following God's directives. And he says this, verse 15. Well, what, do, what do these sacred writings help you do? They, they make you wise for salvation. In other words, if you don't know what it means to be saved, there's only one map to read. You don't need other maps. This is it. And then Paul says what their or, the origins of the Scriptures are, verse 16. They're breathed out by God. And they're not just for salvation, verse 17, but they're, they're for training. How to become a mature and equipped follower of Christ. How, how to become a good workman. How to stay on the narrow path. You, you have to have a model to follow. That's one guardrail. But you've got to have a, a map to, to help you stay on that path. Now, my guess is there are people in congregation on any Sunday that are on the path but they just like to quit. And because you look at your friends and it just seems like it's a lot easier. It's like being in the airport. You're walking and you see the guy who's on the moving sidewalk and you think, gosh, can I just get on that for just a little while? And I think because maybe just this week, having gone to, to two funerals of people who committed suicide, I just think, it, you, you don't, I don't know what people are thinking. You might look like 
hey, I'm, I'm on the narrow path and I'm smiling and I'm shaking your hand today, but I don't know. You may be ready to quit today. I want you to stay on the path. I want you to trust in God's Word and I want you to know if you, if you can't do anything else, you, you can follow my footsteps, footprints. And we can walk along the road together. But I don't want you to get off. You're all laying down footprints for each other, for your neighbors, for your college friends or your high school friends. If they followed in your way, would they end up in the arms of the Savior? Let's pray together. Lord, things go through men and women's minds that only you know, you know about. Satan has a way of, of attacking us, uh, of coming at us from the side and threatening us in ways that uh, scare us off the path. And I, I pray, Lord, for anybody here that is ready to quit. That, that this divine word would be a fresh breath of air into their lives. That they would have somebody to say, just follow me for a little while. They would trust in your word. Lord, help us to, to examine ourselves clearly on the footprints we're leaving for people to follow. Thank you for traveling down a path that we could not travel down ourselves. That there were really only one set of footprints at the cross and you took our sin and you gave us a way of salvation. Lord, I uh, pray now as we distribute this money that you would use it for your name, for your glory, for people in Haiti, for people in Wilmington, for people in Romania, for people in China, or people in Peru, homeless people in Wilmington, wherever it may be that you would use this in such a way that would spark a revival, that in these last days people would come back to the gospel, would stay on this path. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.